you know, my goal isn't really going to be to tell you a new fact or to correct your theology really in any area, but just to tell you something you already know and ask you, is it a reality in your life? And so tell you a fact you already know and ask, has it affected your heart like it should have? And so here's the fact this morning um, that you already know. Many people are lost and they're going to hell. Well, if you'll turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to read Philippians 3, 18 and 19. Three eighteen, For many, of whom I have often told you, and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Well, you know, the men in the Bible, Paul, David, Jesus, Joseph, Job, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Elisha, they did know things, but they also walked in the reality of those things. It says, David, a man after God's own head. It says, a man after God's own heart. You know, we have a tendency to look at the outward, to look at what the world looks at, and to start valuing that thing. And Jesus was always pushing on the heart. You know, he he told the Pharisees, you clean the outside of the cup, but what about the inside of the cup? You know, our tendency is to do the outward things, you know. And the men in the Bible, they did know a lot, and some people lift them up because of that. But listen to some of these verses. Jacob, he strove with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. He met God at Bethel. See here, Paul, in the same verse he's talking about, the reality that he's sharing, it says, with tears. Jacob, it says, he wept and sought the favor of God. Joseph, over and over and over, Joseph is running out of a room because his heart grows warm with compassion. Joseph hurried out, for his compassion grew warm for his brother, and he sought a place to weep. And he entered into his chamber and wept there. Job says, I did not weep did I not weep for him whose day was hard? Unbelievable, really. I mean, think about it. Somebody else's day is going bad and Job goes into his room and starts weeping for them. That's wonderful. Paul I mean, it's like a trail of tears, his missionary journey. Listen to these things. Paul from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you. There's the life. 
he didn't say, you yourselves know how good a theology I had. You know, he says, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears, with the trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. So Paul weeping in Ephesus. Listen to this verse. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. He says every single day he was, he was teaching, but what was he teaching? He was teaching truth and he was weeping. He, was, he felt the reality every day for three years, that's what he said. It, to the Corinthians, he says, I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart with many tears, not, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love I have for you. You know that the, the heart, when it's affected, um, it overflows out of the eyes. That's what Paul's saying. Jesus, um, Jesus wept when he was walking to Jerusalem and he said, would that I would I would have gathered you as a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. Jesus wept over Lazarus. And again it shows love there that Jesus was weeping, and what did the crowd say? Look how much he loved him. What the weeping shows some an inward reality. Jesus it says it says Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and he was heard because of his reverence so these are the things that the men of god felt not just knew they felt them and paul here says he's he wept and it's not just the men of the bible we could talk about whitfield Somebody said that um, that new Whitfield that he hardly preached a sermon without weeping. He said, "If a if a congregation is going to weep, the the tears have to come first from the from the preacher." He said in his journals, "I weep daily." In, he so he was talking about private there, not about not about it, from his sermons. Spurgeon talked more about weeping than anyone that I know as as far as his sermons. He'll say to his congregation, haven't I wept over you? Haven't I shed tears? If I could, he said things like this, if I could come and kneel down before you and weep and plead with you to get you to come to Christ, I would. But it has to be the Spirit, you know. He was willing, and I believe he would have. And... The question for us is, what about us? You know, what about us? Are we walking in reality? Is there is our heart affected? Is what we love God and people, and that's what causes us to weep? Well, let's look at the verses here. What Paul says? Why is Paul saying these things with tears? What is affecting Paul? to tears. You know, there's many things that in these verses I read, there's many things, many reasons we should weep. We should weep over our sin, like Peter, like the woman 
in Luke 7, who's a prostitute weeping at the feet of Jesus? We should. We should weep over our sin. We should weep over the fact that Jesus died. In Zechariah, it talks about that God's going to pour out a spirit um, and there's going to be weeping as weeping for, the, for an only son. We should weep over the death of Christ if it's real to us, if we love Christ. But in this passage specifically, he's talking about weeping over the lost. And here's what he says. He gives four reasons. The first reason, because they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. This is what he's telling with tears. Imagine it. I mean, it's one thing. It's one thing um, to put someone off, you know, to be an enemy of someone. It's another thing to look into the face of the person that loves you most and say, I don't care to see you again. And that's what people do to Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be an enemy of the cross of Christ. Jesus comes and says, I lay down my life for you. You see these hands? See the holes in my hands and my feet? Blood poured out for you. And people say, I don't care. Jesus says, I loved you. I gave myself for you. And what people say is, I would rather watch TV my whole life and go to hell than to give it up and know you. I would rather keep this pride in my heart my whole life and go to hell than, than give it up and turn to you. I'd rather live my whole life for houses and cars and possessions and go to hell than to turn to you and have to love you more. I'd rather give, get up every morning and play video games and get on Facebook my whole life than, and go to hell than to have to give all that up and turn to you, Jesus. I'd rather get up every morning and be moral and have other people think well of me and look good on the outside my whole life than have to turn to you and humble myself. And the problem is, um, that one day they'll have to say it to Jesus' face. And then they'll know. They'll, they'll know. They won't be able to say it. That's what the Bible teaches. It says their mouths are going to be stopped. They're not going to be able to look Jesus in the face and see the wounds and see the feet and see the love and to say it. And they won't be able to. But for now, they do. For now, they do say it. And that's not the only reason. It's not just that they're enemies of the cross of Christ. It says their end is destruction. You know, we almost could say, if it was only physical destruction, maybe we could bear it. But maybe not even then. I mean, think about it this way. Think about Paul is telling people. There's a hell. It lasts forever. And you'll never see the face of Jesus Christ again. And he can't say it without tears. That's what he said. For three years, he wept. 
What about us? I mean, imagine this. Could you look your child in the eye and tell them you're dying with dry eyes? Of course not. You love them. Can you look your child in the eye and tell them sinners are going to hell with dry eyes? Some of us, maybe. And many times... You know, the reason I use your kids is because you love your kids. But really, we're not just called to love our kids. We're called to love everyone. There are, I believe, likely, that more than not, we talk to people about Jesus Christ without reality. We tell the person, we, we have an opportunity to share the gospel. We tell them, and... Love isn't overflowing out of our heart. We're just repeating a fact. But if there, if it was real, if we had, if we had more love to sinners, more reality in our hearts about what hell is, we would, we would weep like Paul and Jesus. Well, not just. It's not just that their end is destruction, and that they walk as enemies. It says that their God is their belly. Their God is their belly. And this is another sad thing. You know, maybe I'll say it this way. What you love most causes you to weep. Is there anyone here who what you love most isn't Jesus Christ? What about you? What causes you to weep? I believe, with I, I know for a fact that there are people who if their parents took away their cell phone, they would weep bitterly. And someone can tell them, Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and you didn't deserve it. And their eyes are dry. Why? Because they love the cell phone more than they love Jesus Christ. There are people who would weep when they get caught in their sin and not weep over the guilt of their sin before God. Why? They love, they love something other than God. It has nothing to do with God. It's about their selfish desires, right? Their God is their belly. Their des- this desire for entertainment or food or whatever it is, they weep over it. It's a horrible thing. Israelites wept for meat in in the wilderness. It says that people, um, in Hosea it says that the people would weep and wail on their beds for grain and wine. And God says, what about me? What's the problem? Well, their God is their belly. Their God is their belly. What happens is, okay, think about Esau. So Esau comes in, he's hungry. His belly is saying, you need food. And Jacob says, why don't you sell me your inheritance, your birthright? And what does he do? He does it. Why? Because the belly is the one that's his God. The belly is the one that is in control. And then what happens? He weeps afterwards because he realizes that was the worst. That was horrible. Why did I do that? The belly was in control, not the man. It should be the other way around.
But we meet men who, it's not the man controlling the belly, it's the belly controlling the man. And there are men, you know, I think about one man in jail who came alone and he said, he told us a horrible story about how all he had to do to stay out of jail was to be stop doing drugs. And he knew, every two weeks I'm going to have a drug test. And if I do drugs, I'll get caught and I'll go to jail for a decade. And he's, he's weeping because he did drugs again and he had to tell his daughter, I'm never going to, I'm not going to see you graduate. You know, I'm not going to see you for the next 10 years because one night of doing drugs was worth more to me. What happens is when your God is your belly, you get what you wanted and you realize that wasn't enough. I shouldn't have done that. You know, that wasn't worth it. Um, And for some people that happens in this life, but for some people it will happen on judgment day. Because the reason the mouth is stopped on judgment day is because you know the video games weren't worth it. You know having a nice house wasn't worth it. You know people thinking well of you wasn't worth it. Why? Because when, when, when your belly becomes your God, when these selfish desires become your God, you're giving up God. You don't get to know God. You're taking, you're taking this thing, whatever it is you want, lust, greed, pride, whatever it is, and you're placing it in the place of God. And you have to give up knowing God. You have to decide, do I want to cling to Facebook or Jesus Christ? Both can't be my Lord. That's what Jesus said. No one can serve two masters. He hates the one and loves the other. He clings to one, disregards the other. And, and it's a horrible thing to see. A person who can see Jesus Christ and they disregard Him and what they want instead is this measly, worthless thing. <laughs> it's horrible. It's, we should... Let me tell you, I'll tell you a story. Imagine it this way. I talked to a girl on campus. And I was talking to her about these things. What are you clinging to? Jesus Christ? Professing Christian. Are you clinging to Jesus Christ? Is, do you love Jesus? Is it just a fact in your head? And um, I said, what about this? What about Facebook? Do you pray more or do you get on Facebook more? She says, I pray more. Or she says, I get on Facebook more. And I say, why? I mean, you could know God. You could seek God. Don't you want to know Him? Do you want to be with Him? Do you want to know more of Him? I said, what if, what if you have to decide? You know, what if you have to decide between the two, knowing Jesus Christ or Facebook? She said, how long would I have to give up Facebook? You see what she's saying? She's showing, I don't love Jesus. Even when I, when I see Jesus, all I can think about is, how long would I have to give up Facebook? And that's what the lost see. Look at this next thing that it says. It says, their mind is set on earthly things. Their, glo- their glory is their shame. I'm going to go out of order here. Their mind is set on earthly things. What happens when your God is your belly is, your mind is set on that thing. You can't see. You can't even see Jesus Christ because all you can see is I want to have fun or I want to be rich or I want to be good at this thing. I want I want uh, have a girlfriend. I want to get married. Whatever it is, they put it up in front of Jesus and they have to get Him out of the way because they want to see this thing more. 
And what happens is it'd be one thing. It'd be one thing if they had thought about it clearly. You know that thing I said earlier about I'd rather watch TV my whole life and go to hell than turn to you? You know the reason you don't hear people say that is because their mind is set on earthly things. They don't think about it clearly. They haven't thought about it. They can't say it that way because they haven't put any thought into it. Why? All their thought and all their mind is going to this other thing. They love this trinket of the world and they spend so much time and energy on it, they can't even they can't they can't even put into words their thoughts towards God. And that girl, you know, that girl that I was telling you about, I told her, I said, listen, Jesus Christ, you're going to have to say that to Him one day. Can you imagine saying to Jesus Christ on Judgment Day, I want to go to heaven, but would I have to give up Facebook? What happened was, you know, I'll say it this way. You might weep out of love for something, but you might also weep just out of seeing reality. You know, if someone dies far away, you didn't see it happen. You love that person, you will weep. But you might weep if you're there and you saw it, whether you know him or not. Just the reality of it hits you, you start weeping. Well, sometimes sinners weep over reality, but they don't have any love. You know, this girl, specific girl, about this Facebook girl, I started telling her about Jesus Christ and tears came to her eyes. And she's like, no, I don't want to say that to Jesus Christ on Judgment Day. And I pleaded with her, I said, listen, I talk to people, and the vast majority of them, they, they may get serious for a moment, and then they go home, and what happens? They get on Facebook, and they don't read the Bible. They don't take it seriously. And I said to this girl, please, I don't want to see you again. And, and you say, no, I didn't go home and read the Bible to see what it has to say. No, I, I just went back to you know, on Facebook. Why? Why does that happen? Why is the tears coming out of her eyes if she doesn't really want to know God? The reality hit her for a second. Then what happens? She sets her mind back on the worldly things and stops thinking about it. And later on, I saw her and I said, listen, remember what, what I said last time I asked? You know, I don't want to see you again. If you haven't taken these things seriously, that'd be the worst thing. And she said, I, I didn't open the Bible. It's just as it was. And should cause us to weep. It should. The last thing is their glory is their shame. So this thing that they love, what's going to happen? It will drag them to hell. James says, come you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Weep, he's telling the rich that they should be weeping. Your riches have rotted, your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be in evidence against you, and you will, and they will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. He goes on to talk about they're so cheap they didn't want to pay their laborers. And that that will cry out against them. Their glory, this thing, you know, that's all related. When you're an enemy of the cross of Christ, you have to put something else on the throne. That thing is your glory. That thing is your love. That thing is your God. 
And that thing ends up being your shame because in the end you will have to see, I've traded that for Jesus Christ. I, can't, I couldn't have both and I chose my cell phone or my own selfish pride or looking good in others' eyes. I chose that over Jesus Christ and on judgment day they'll weep. Not out of love, but out of reality. It'll all come home. It'll be real to them. And they'll, it'll, they'll be staring them in the face. Jesus Christ and hell will all be real. Their heart won't have changed. They won't love Him. They won't be weeping out of love, but they will be weeping out of reality. And so, what about us? We should have both. We should have reality and love. Do we love people? I mean, do you love your kids? Do you love your coworkers? I say this to myself, you know. I know I haven't wept like I should over the sin I've seen. But I want to. I want God to make it real. I want to love people. I want reality. God says that He will answer. There's something. I mean, tears, we can't we can't use tears to manipulate God. God knows our heart. There's many people that cry, and just like the girl, there was no reality. There, there was no reality about God. It was just the reality about punishment. There's no love to Him. God knows, but God did say things like, "Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him." There's something, I mean, there's something about not just knowing the fact in your head, but it being real in the life that God, God has said, I'll honor that. And we can see He has. I mean, think about Whitfield. Think about Spurgeon. Think about Paul. Think about Jesus Christ. I'll close by just telling you one quick story. Um, you know, there's a lot. We could go on for... There's probably people in here that could tell stories about people who God gave you some reality and then God gave it to the other person too about sinners you've wept over and, and they've been converted. There's a, there's a story of a, uh, of a slave who was beating... He was being beaten by his master because he told him to stop spending so much time praying. And the master couldn't sleep at night because of the tears in his eyes. And he says to his wife, why can't you sleep? He says, was he angry? No, I should not have minded that. But after I had beaten him, he looked at me with tears in his eyes, but as if he pitied me more than himself. And the man went, he got up in the night and said, I need you to pray for me. He told this slave, I need you to pray for me. And he was converted. The tears in his eyes kept him up at night. There's... There's an elder, they had a prayer meeting for a notorious sinner. They had a prayer meeting at the church. And so the elder goes home and he feels burdened. He can't sleep. He prays all night for the sinner. He goes down to the blacksmith. He's a blacksmith. He goes down to the shop to tell him. And he says, Oh, sir, I am deeply concerned for your salvation. I am deeply concerned for your salvation. I have been wrestling with God all night for your salvation. And he meant to say more, but he couldn't. He started weeping and he walked away. 
And the man, the notorious sinner, hardened, went home and told his wife. He says, I have been attacked with a new argument this time. There is Elder, his last name starts with a B, Elder B. He had been here this morning and he said, I am concerned about your salvation. Why? This is him talking to his wife, who's a Christian. Why? Now, if he is concerned about my salvation, it's a strange thing that I'm not concerned about it. And the man's heart was captured by the kind word and the tears of the elder. And he took his own horse and he rode to the elder's house. And when he arrived there, the elder was in his parlor still praying. And they knelt down together and God gave him a contrite spirit and a broken heart. Well... I'll just close, there's a song, and I'll just close with this, from the song, it says this. If Christ over sinners weeped, shall our cheeks be dry.